A lot of stuff going around in AEW and WWE this week, and we'll talk about it all next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's talk about Kenny Omega starting things off this week. He was doing his Twitch stream with uh, CEO Gaming, I believe, and found out he was trending on Twitter and was wondering why, and it turned out that the reason was was because he made a comment on his favorite critic, Mr. Jim Cornette. Here's what he had to say about Jim Cornette. I think Jim Cornette has backed himself into a corner where now he's found his group of extremely pathetic human beings who have no other thing to aspire to become or no one to base their life off of. No one listens to, no one to adhere to their commands. And so when it became a character that he could play as though he was still traveling up and down the strip in the indies, like back in the old days. Now he's got this group of people hanging off his every word. And all he has to do is sit and talk on a podcast with some other guy. When he realized he could make money by delivering hateful speech, he backed himself into a corner and now he wants to make rent. If he wants to buy his fancy McDonald's double cheeseburger meal, he has to talk about things that are going to get attention. A lot of time, that's going to be yours truly. Funny he says that because he's gotten attention by saying this. Not really on a podcast, but a live stream. So similar situation. But what do you think of the comments made by Kenny Omega here about Jim Cornette? Huh, not not surprised. These two are pretty much mortal enemies at this point. Jim Cornette can't stand Kenny Omega and the way that he works in the ring mm-hmm. um, or just the way he treats the business. And uh, it's obvious that Kenny Omega is no major fan of Jim Cornette's. Right. Um, so I can't really get into who's right and who's wrong. I I, I've, I've, I've listened to, I listened to so many different types of podcasts to try and get really all sides of it. I can't really be like, oh yeah, well, Jim Cornette's wrong because one, he's certainly more capable of making any type of judgment of talent than I'll ever be because he's obviously worked in the industry, but he got Um, fired from everywhere he worked. At least that's what people everybody say. gets fired in wrestling. <laughs> everybody gets fired from everywhere they worked, unless you're Vince McMahon or like the undertaker. And I'm pretty sure the undertaker got fired from. So, you know, I think that there's a couple of things that are going on. I think that wrestling right now, there's definitely a lot of tribalism that's going on. I think that we live in an age right now where social media uh, makes uh, certainly has the ability for people even like us or whoever to go out there and, you know, put together a podcast or tweet something out. And, you know, with social media and so much connection between people, um, it has the ability to reach thousands, if not millions of people, especially if you're somebody who has um, the capability to do that. Like somebody like a Jim Cornette, he has a podcast, he worked in wrestling, he was probably considered, at least at his time, the best manager or one of the most well-known managers of one of the best tag teams or multiple best tag teams. So, um, you know, his, what he says is going to have a lot of reach and people are going to put some stock in that the same way on the other side of the shoe, on the other side of the foot, whatever the saying is, you're going to get people that are going to side with Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. So who's right. Who's wrong. I'm not at liberty to say, I just know they hate each other. <laughs> right. It's just funny because when it comes to like, a lot of these hot topics that spread the tribalism. Kenny Omega is pretty the most diplomatic wrestler in in wrestling today. Like he even talked about it recently about how 
you know, storylines are needed to pull off the big matches. Like everyone talks about, oh, you need a five-star match. You need a five-star match or whatever. Kenny Omega's out here like, no, you can't have a five-star match unless you have the story to build up that five-star match. And yet there's people that love Kenny Omega that will say, nope, you don't need the story. The story can be told in the match and that's it. You know, and Jim Cornette would probably agree with what Kenny Omega is saying. They have very similar ideologies, yet because of the way Kenny Omega finger points in the ring and is very animated in the ring and once had a match with a blow-up doll or walked out from Jim Cornette or whatever that story is, Jim Cornette will just hate him for life. And, you know, that's... It is what it is, unfortunately, but I think there are times where Cornette might be right, but might be too harsh. I think there's times where Kenny Omega, I think people... We'll just crap on him because Jim Cornette called him finger. What's it? Uh, twinkle toes, McFinger bang or whatever he calls him, you know, and people yeah. just carry him by that. And like, oh, Jim Cornette says he sucks. So I think he sucks. It's like, dude, think for yourself, watch his matches, then come out with your own opinion. Don't go by what Jim Cornette says. And listen, there are people out there, not just Jim Cornette. That will, that, you know, are just overly negative. And that's how they get views. Like being in the middle and being objective and trying to be, uh, try to give fair criticism does not work in today's society. And I don't think it well, really did because Eric Bischoff always said controversy creates cash. And, you know, for what it's worth, you people, I don't think realize that they can still support a company, a podcast, a one individual and not agree with 100% of what that person says or yes. 100% of what that company does. Right. Um, a lot of this fictitious war between wrestlers and AEW and WWE, it's just that. It's mostly fiction. It's um, created by fans. Look at, look at, you know, Money in the Bank. A lot of people are critical of Money in the Bank and certain matches and certain points throughout the night. But you know what I noticed? All of the wrestlers, all of the people involved were giving credit to people like, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, the job for the job that they did on commentary or congratulating Liv Morgan. I know Ruby Soho did, and she doesn't work for WWE. I know that many wrestlers did who don't work for WWE. And on the other side, on the other side, when Claudio Castagnoli debuted at Forbidden Door, you see Becky Lynch, you see various people from WWE tweeting out how awesome it is that Claudio debuted as the, you know, mystery opponent for Zack Sabre Jr. So this whole thing, and when Big E won the WWE Championship after cashing in last year, how many AEW wrestlers congratulated Big E? Like, this whole notion that there's this war between AEW and WWE, there's not. There never was. It was so fan-created. And this, like, this one here with Jim Cornette and Kenny Omega, okay, that one there, they literally don't like each other. But that tribalism is just spread on even more because you're going to have people that just love Kenny Omega for whatever he does or love Kenny, uh, Jim Cornette for whatever he does. And that's the point you're making. I understand that, but like, think for yourself, man, think for yourself. How hard is it? Can Kenny Omega have five-star matches? Yes. And he has. Can Jim Cornette actually provide fair criticism for any wrestling promotion? Yes. And he has, do you have to agree with it all? No. Do you think Kenny Omega has to have a bat can have a bad match? He might. He might have one. But don't just go, oh, it's automatically a five-star match because Kenny Omega's in it. 
it might not happen. Or, you know, Kenny Omega is a bad wrestler because Jim Cornette said so. Or this person's bad because such and such podcaster said so. No. Theory's a new one. Theory's a new guy that people love to hate on. Yeah. But Jim Cornette loves him because he says that he's a better worker than Kenny Omega, which right now I would disagree with. But maybe in due time, when he has a longer body of work, maybe you can have that discussion. Right now, I would disagree with that. And regardless of if he is or isn't an actual good wrestler or worker, because Jim Cornette gave credit to him, there is a certain group of a wrestling fan base that is going to, oh, nope, not into, don't like theory, just the same way that people like to hate on Kenny Omega. That's yeah. the unfortunate state of the wrestling fandom that we have right now. Right, right. Now, speaking of criticism towards AEW, and, and <clears throat> one of the criticisms that they've gotten recently was the TNT Championship. And, you know, in a recent interview with What Culture, a former TNT champion discussed about this. That being Miro. And basically, paraphrasing what he said was, since Sammy Guevara had that title, the title's gone to shit. Which I, I think a lot of people would agree on, but hopefully this you know, recent win by Wardlow changes things. But is this Miro being a character? Or is he actually shooting here and saying that title really is gone to shit? Or is it both? Is it a work to shoot? It's, it's hard to argue. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that I think he's saying smartly because whether he's saying it from his personal opinion or in character, it's one of those things that's going to stir up, again, stirring up controversy, getting him talked about because people are going to feel very strongly about that. I don't think there's anybody that's going to disagree and say, uh, disagree when I say that. I think that the best years of that title were with uh, Cody, uh, Mr. Brody Lee, Miro, Darby, I, Darby. Yeah. I, I, and you know, some of the hot potato with the back and forth of the title. I don't think that Sammy Guevara was, a nothing to write home about. There was nothing memorable about his championship run. So yeah, I think he has a point. Um, but I think that that's likely going to change with Wardlow anyway. So, yep. I mean, I hope it does. I hope it does with Wardlow and they could give him a good run, but you know, he just got the title this week. So it'd be hard to say like, who's going to be challenging Wardlow for this title. Does he bring out the open challenge and just start power bomb symphonying everybody? Or do they actually give him credible opponents to kind of build that title back up again? Only time will tell, but you know, speaking of Wardlow, he's definitely one of the guys right now that is going to be put in a prime position because of all the injuries that AEW is facing right now with the likes of, you know, CM Punk and his foot injury, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. And in fact, uh, Dave Meltzer actually has some updates on both Danielson and Adam Cole on wrestling observer radio. Here's what he had to say about Danielson. First, I'm very concerned with Danielson, obviously, because when you have the number of concussions he's had, He's been out for five weeks now. You start wondering at five weeks of a concussion, this may be a real bad situation. I know in real life, everything like he's fine. He could function. He could do everything. But as far as cleared to wrestle, I don't know anything. No one knows. Getting clear from a concussion can be any time. There's no time frame. But the fact that it's been very long is concerning. And Adam Cole, he also said that he'll be out for a while as a result of a concussion, he already had injuries heading into forbidden door and he sustained that concussion 
during the Forbidden Door match, hence why they had the abrupt finish with Jay White just kind of pinning him uh, without really looking like he did anything to pin him. So not good news on the forefront here for AEW considering their two bigger stars are going to be out in concussions that we all know. It's a very serious injury. You don't rush those, and you really can't rush those. Danielson with the history, I hope this isn't the end. I don't think it's the end, but he may be out for quite some time. If they, you know, they're going to make sure he is 100% before he's back in the ring. Yeah, and as they should, because that's that's probably the most concerning thing. First of all, this seems like it's mostly speculation more than anything because it's, you know, is he being held out because of the concussion given the, the obvious reason that he does have a past history? And, you know, I, I think if I recall correctly, it was mostly be, the concussions in a combination with the fact that he would have like these mini strokes or mini seizures that he didn't even realize he was having. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully it's not something that's flaring up because of a concussion or anything like that. Seems like there's definitely some speculation there, or it could just be that, you know what? If a concussion takes three weeks to recover from, let's give him six just to be safe. Right. Um, you know, who knows, but yeah, AEW, like most other wrestling companies ever, are going through a, a stint of injury bugs and stuff like that. So it's just a matter of getting their guys back and getting them healthy. Right. And speaking of the injury bug, blood and guts, you know, bit the or had the injury bug bit a couple of components there. Uh, mainly Santana, who, you know, while doing, I believe it was a Yuranagi. Yeah. You know. You know, just landed his foot the wrong way and injured himself, walked out of the match, wasn't part of the finish. And, you know, Tony Khan actually saying, you know, as far as Santana getting hurt, it is he is hurt. And hopefully he'll be back relatively soon. But it is a knee injury he suffered. So Santana Ortiz might be, you know, not a thing in the tag team division right now. And sucks because... They're one of those teams I keep saying is underutilized in AEW and they never really got that real focus in a storyline. They always feel like they've been in the back burner of whatever Jericho's doing. And in this case, they take a back burner for it was Jericho and Kingston was the main focal point of the storyline while they played maybe even third fiddle to the Blackpool Combat Club. They were like started out as the fo- focal point. And then they just fell back and back and back and back and back. So they were like, wait, Santana and Ortiz are in this storyline and now Santana's hurt. So I, I hope when he comes back, you know, he comes back stronger, Ortiz and Santana, while there were rumors of them being split up, which Sean Ross Sapp never said that they were actually splitting up. People ran with it saying that he did report that. They come back, have a good run as, ta- you know, get them the tag team titles. You know, maybe they're the ones that dethrone FTR when they eventually beat the young bucks. Well, we all know the best tag team in the world is the Usos. At least that's the rumor going around the streets. No FTR is the rumor going around. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to get a ruffle in some people's feathers. Cause I know that's one of the hot topics. Oh, you know, the, the Usos are the best, whatever. I don't care. They're all good, including proud and powerful. So yeah, give them their, opportunity hopefully santana comes back relatively soon healthy and yeah give him a run man give him a shot 
I hope so because you know both of them are good talkers and they definitely have great characters when they give them a moment, but they just too far and in between I think to actually showcase them as prominent roles whether they're singles wrestlers or tag team wrestlers. But we'll see how things go there. But speaking of tag teams and former champions, we had some interesting updates Thursday afternoon. Regarding the former WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Sasha Banks and Naomi. PW Insider is reporting that Sasha Banks and Naomi are no longer listed on the internal roster for WWE. Is this a sign? Is this a confirmation that they are no longer with the company? Or is it just because they're not on TV and aren't going to be for a while? They're just taking them off the roster. I mean, what would the benefit be of removing them other than getting people talking and mostly in a negative way? Because I don't think any any wrestling fan, unless you're a fan of AEW and hoping that one of the two go there, what would the benefit be for an WWE fan to see that they're removed from the website? I don't think there is any benefit. They're not they're not removed from the website. They're removed from the internal roster. So basically, there's a sheet that's given to production teams, writers that list the baby faces and the heels. And they're like listed. Like this is the top baby face. This is the top heel. Okay. I've actually seen one of these. So these sheets before. So, so how much stock do you want to put in this? I mean, look, they're, they're, they're right. They're not on TV. None. They're not on TV. Why would they show up on some list if they're not meant to write TV for people? I get, in my opinion, they've been on there for the, since they walked out two months ago. Uh, and now all of a sudden I don't know if that's dropped. a sign of anything. Had they been taken off the roster that's on their website? To my knowledge, they're not at that point they're yet. Not. I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not buying it. I mean, two weeks ago, people there was reports going around that, oh, they were silently released. Sasha Banks was given her release uh, immediate. Whatever the hell that... I don't buy it yet. I don't, I don't so, buy it. So until there's a, a statement by Sasha, Naomi, and or WWE, you're not buying no, any reports on this. No, because WWE is a company that as soon as you're released, you got that trash bag of clothes with your jock strap showing up at your front door. <laughs> you're taken off the website. You're taken out of the main intro like your your whatever. Your merchandise is pulled. And I know some of that has certainly happened, but... They haven't really been doing the the press releases with the future endeavors with some releases recently too, though. Like mainly those are NXT people that got released. And like I think, for example, the the two dimes rest guy that was with Tony D'Angelo, that I think they killed him off on NXT. Uh, he was so how, released. How, how how long has it been since this whole thing transpired? Two months. It started it started on the May 16th episode of Raw. So we're almost approaching two months. Okay, so two months in, you think that if they truly were given the release around that time, we're talking roughly two months, almost at that 90-day mark, another month or so for the 90-day no-compete, depending on if that's true, whatever, right? If they keep their merchandise, if they keep them on the roster, we're talking about a month from now, potentially one of them showing up in AEW or another promotion. While their stuff is still active on a WWE website, I doubt it. So technically, according to the report from Raj Geary, the release happened on June 10th for Sasha Banks. 
So three months from there would be September 10th or September 9th, depending on 31 days or 30 days, whatever the case may be. So it would be basically that first dynamite after all out would be her first date. If she got a 90 day, no compete clause. And the report is true that she was released on June 10th. So mark that on your calendars, folks. The first dynamite after all out, if Sasha Banks is there, we know all this was true. If not, we know at least it's not fully confirmed, but still not true. Nonetheless. I'll believe it when I see it. Wait and see. We'll see. I think Sasha Banks and Naomi, they're big enough stars where if they were released, WWE has to make a statement and say they're released. You know, they're not going to just quietly release them like they quietly released two dimes or whatever his name was. But there are some good news from WWE regarding their roster. They added a new star this week and they re-signed a star this week. They signed Logan Paul to a multi-year deal and they announced Thursday night that they have agreed to a multi-year deal extension with Pat McAfee. What are your thoughts on these two moves here by WWE? I love both. Uh, Pat McAfee brings out the best in Michael Cole. It's almost like he's given him a second, uh, second life at commentary or something just because he Maybe seems like he's life. more, whatever. He seems like he's more invested in the product. Um, and I think that he's doing some of his better work right now when going back two years ago, there were people and including myself, it was like, uh, Michael Cole just seems way too robotic. Like it's the, just, you know, the same stuff over and over. And, you know, it didn't really seem like he was invested in it. Um, mm -hmm. That's definitely not the case now. Logan Paul um, proved me and I think a lot of people wrong with his match at WrestleMania. He's a natural athlete, uh, no matter what people want to say. Um, and he's he's a character. Wrestle people forget this. Look, you can't go out and cheer a guy like Stephen ML because of his ability to learn to be a professional wrestler despite being like a movie star or a TV star, or whatever he is and be like, Oh, well he works the indie scene. So I'll root for him, but I'm going to hate Logan Paul because, Oh, that's just WWE being WWE. It's, it's hypocritical. If Logan Paul is willing to put in the time and effort and train just the same way bad bunny was, and he's got the loyal following and all the other stuff that you get that comes with him. Why does everybody care? This is this is not a guy First that just off, decided. I don't think I don't think everybody cares. I think this is a vocal minority that just yeah, no want shit. All, <laughs> that just want the indie stars that pull in 17 years before they can make it to national television. Granted, some of them don't should not have taken that long, but they do nonetheless. And because they went through and paid their dues, they should be world champion. And guess what? Not everybody should be world champion. Not everybody should be on national television, whether that's AEW or WWE. Now, can you get that break? Yes. But just to say, like you're saying, just because this person paid their dues in the indies and Logan Paul didn't, that doesn't mean hate Paul Logan, uh, Logan Paul. He kind of paid his dues a different way by building his audience and selling that audience to WWE. How's that any different than AEW building their audience and selling it to TBS? How's that any different than WWE building their audience and selling it to NBC? That's what Logan Paul did. Not Instead of a <sighs> big giant promotion, it was him selling it to one promotion. Not for nothing. 
and I love her. So I'm, this isn't meant to be a negative thing, just more of a comparison than anything else. But uh, Jade Cargill has like, what, 34 matches ever? Yep. So she trains behind the scenes. She's got a good look. She's great. She's amazing. I think she has a ton of potential. And I don't think that, you know, Logan Paul ceiling is quite as high as hers. I'm not saying that, but Logan Paul is an athlete to a certain extent. He has a loyal fan base and a following. He's a guy you love to hate. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's willing to put in the work and effort to get better at something. So WWE said, you know what? Why, why not? Let's take a chance on the guy. I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have an issue with it. I mean, I think a lot of people had a problem with like Johnny Knoxville's match with Sami Zayn. And that ended up being like something that was actually, I think, good for Sami Zayn. Because yep. he it, he was able to show like his ability to be a character and be funny and stuff like that. So, and that's gonna help in WWE's case. That I mean, if you're Vince McMahon, you can have five star match after five star match after five star match. But if you have no character, he's not going to use you. And we've seen that time and time and time again with all these guys. How come they didn't push this guy? How come they didn't push that guy? Because Vince doesn't push those guys. He never has. And that's not a bad thing. You can go to AEW now. You can go to New Japan Pro Wrestling now and get pushed as, you know, I could put out five-star matches and be pushed as a better wrestler. That Let them do that. WWE's not known to do that. That's not their thing, and they never were that. Pat McAfee, you know, same situation there. He put in the work. He has a freaking wrestling ring in his studio or his house or whatever. Trained his ass off, showed it in NXT, showed it at WrestleMania. I mean, one of the most over guys at WrestleMania, right? And just like Logan Paul built his audience on social media and sold that to Vince McMahon to give him that deal and has knocked it out of the park. Everyone loves him in WWE. So obviously, he's going to get a renewal contract. And I mean, out of all the commentators and play by play guys WWE has, Pat McAfee's easily number one. He is the best thing they have on the commentary team. And he's brought up, like you said, he's brought up Michael Cole where it's like, you forget like, wow, Michael Cole is actually doing a damn good job commentating. And I don't know if it's just because the commentating and pro wrestling is really, really bad right now. And the bar's so low, but Cole's been good. And I don't think people can really disagree with that right now. And I think that's, Huge thanks to Pat McAfee. I agree. I I think that it was smart for them to make an offer to Logan Paul. And I think that retaining Pat McAfee or extending his contract uh, was equally as good. Yep, I agree. And when he leaves WWE, that's going to be a huge void to fill. But we'll see how it goes. But if you missed our AEW Dynamite review from this past week, you can click the thumbnail on the screen right now to check that out. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.